really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Yes, there sir. Trust. Big, big, big trust. trust. Big, big trust. trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me We're back on the Jumbo Set Podcast. It is Tuesday night, February 20th. Uh, you are listening to this on Wednesday, my dudes, February 21st. My name is Jake Luke, and I am joined on my screen at long last by Gentle Spen Crenshaw, fresh off a sojourn across the country out to the desert. Uh, this episode, before we get to him, is brought to you, as always, by Jimmy's Famous Seafood uh, and specifically by their Tailgoat event going to be taking place on opening day, March 28th. Uh, you can check out the Tailgoat website or jimmysfamousseafoodevents.com. Get yourself some tickets. They're going to come out hot. They're going to be uh, running hot here. Uh, we actually did a little fun little episode, me, Eric, and Mike of Jimmy's, uh, discussing the event. Uh, so you can check that out on the podcast feed or on the YouTube as well. Give you some more information. Hosted by one Nick Markakis, emceed by one DJ Pauly D, and the XF52 podcast crew will be there as well trying to get a live show going. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Just wanted to open with that. Spenneth, how are we feeling? Very excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. We've been talking with Jimmy's how we can make the tailgoat better and do some more live stuff. So definitely come check out the tailgoat and see more information for that. Like you said, Jake, I personally, how am I doing? We had our first miss of the jumbo set all year, all season. I think we went straight clean through, if I'm not mistaken. Did we? Did you do one when I was in Mexico? That might have been the only time. But I think I still had it release on Wednesday. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I think we had a clean sheet of jumbo set through the season. So took a little break there. I did head out to the desert, went to Waste Management Open. <laughs> that place is a vortex. It sucks you in. The desert is wild. I was in an Uber with a buddy going to go meet up with one of my college friends who lives out there and has been out there for like a year and a half now. And we're just like chatting with the Uber driver, normal pleasantries, pretty, you know, chill dude. And the guy goes, so like conversation comes to a lull. He says, so are you guys going to go in the desert? And we were like, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, I don't know. What are your plans? And we we're like, well, we're supposed to golf tomorrow and we're supposed to go on a hike on Saturday. He goes, yeah, I guess that counts. So we're like, well, what did, what did you have in mind when you said, in, in the desert, are we supposed to like nomad our way out there? Like, and he was like, Oh, I don't know. I'm like, okay. And then he dropped us off right after that conversation. So I met up with my buddy who I haven't seen in a couple of years and was like, Hey, what does this guy mean by in the desert? He's like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. That makes no sense. So that threw me for a loop. The desert is sick. It is very cool there. It's fun that you can feel like you're in a completely different, like I've, I've been Arizona. That was my first time there, but it's fun that you can take a, it's not a short plane ride. It's not a long plane ride. It's a, a medium plus plane ride and feel like you're just in a completely different world. Like I felt like I was in Mars there. You've been to and Vegas, I, right? I'm I actually have not been to Vegas. Yeah, that's, been to Vegas. yeah that's that's the my one time being out there. And I guess I kind of I kind of was in Mexico um, this past year. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's wild. It's it's truly the, the Badlands. It's some harsh country out that way. But Vegas is funny because you got this just this, you know, oasis of just sin and vice in the middle of just absolutely nowhere you can see for miles did the helicopter tours loved it yeah so the desert 
lot of fun. Took me until a couple days ago to get homeostasis back. I ended up stranded at the airport. Uh, For anyone wondering why we skipped the podcast, like I just knew that when he and you could, you'll, you could, you'll tell the story here, but I just knew that you were not going to be, not going to be up for it. So I I decided, you know, Super Bowl is over. We can, we can kind of punt on this week. I was physically incapable. I get to the airport at 10 a.m. on Monday, last Monday, and I had a connecting flight to Logan in Boston, and there was a nor'easter that hit Boston. So JetBlue was like, hey, your flight's canceled. At like, Once I got the, by, by like noon, they're like, hey, your flight's canceled. Nothing like, worse oh, than a okay. connector that flies over your destination. I hate that. <sighs> it just turned into a fiasco. To, to summarize, I was at the airport for 22 hours, including a flight to Detroit. I ended up getting into a huge fight with JetBlue, and they tried to not refund me, and then I ended up complaining about it on Twitter. Then the Twitter account refunds me after the live rep was like, we can't refund you. The flight hasn't been canceled. They basically just kept rescheduling me in two hour increments and making new flights. And I just knew they were going to fuck me. And I that's was like, what, that's what happened when I got stranded in Mexico that night. They, they just, they, they rescheduled all day, all day, all day, all day, all day, then 5 PM cancel on you. And you're stuck in another country. That was sick. Fantastic. Just love that. So I ended up in the airport for 22 hours. I came home. I had a sore throat. I was exhausted. I had some work to do during the day and then I just slept from like 4 p.m. to like midnight on the couch and I was not well until probably, honestly, probably yesterday. So I'm recovered. I'm back. Got around to golf in, hit the gym, hit the sauna. Can't keep me down for too long. We're back, baby. That's always a weird wake up. Like the the kind of hungover, like, you know, you fall asleep before you, you really were planning to wake up in the middle of the night, just dry mouth general sense of just where the fuck am I? I, I yeah, I, I've been there a time or two. The worst part about it, arguably, too, is uh, this guy I was there for a bachelor party. This guy, Josh, I was sharing a room with him at the Airbnb. And the morning of the flights, I was sleeping. It was like 5 a.m. I didn't go to bed until like 3, 5 a.m. I just hear him rustling around the room. He had an early flight and he's rustling. I hear him say something like, oh, shit, like, oh, oh. and then taps me on my ass. Hey, hey. Hey, Spence, have you seen my wallet? I was like, have you checked the recliner downstairs you were sitting in yesterday? Goes downstairs, finds his wallet, and he just woke mm. me up and I couldn't fall back asleep. So I got like two hours of sleep the night before. So shout out to you, Josh. Thanks. Thanks for waking me up for the easiest reason ever. Also, and like not to keep belaboring this point, we'll, we'll get to the uh, the show proper, but like, uh, of course, you were in attendance for the waste management where they finally jumped the shark and uh, just complete and utter chaos. I think the weather had a lot to do with it, but like you've got Zach Johnson snapping back at these people. It's just like the Thunderbirds are just losing contain. Absolute insanity out there. It sounds like they're, they're maybe making some plans to rein it in next year. One of my friends may or may not have yelled at Scotty Scheffler, hit it to the green, you... F word, P, U, blank, blank, Y. Uh, we were half the guys there didn't golf, had no idea. They thought it was like, it, it felt like preakness. I would say that's very similar to a preakness vibe. And we were at the grandstands and stuff, but then my one buddy was wearing a blue Peyton Manning jersey. I don't know why. He's not a Colts fan, he's a commies fan. And he just ended up. Someone made the mistake of saying to him while he was like ripping and roaring a little bit. They're like, oh, we were on the course. They go, oh, yeah, Scott Stallings is like the strongest guy on tour. He can bench 315. He is a beast. And he, and my buddy was like, oh, three plates? 
three plates that's so strong three plates is so we're with like a bunch of big dudes he's like three plates oh scott you can bench three plates three plates scott yeah you're so strong and scott stallings also his primary sponsor is no bull so the guy just kept going no bull no bull scott no bull and was uh, he just ended up haunting scott stallings and we just so happened to perfectly be walking the course at the same pace he's playing this is like a movie dude this is like this is like happy gilmore we get to 18 scott stallings like catches us as we're just chilling on 18 and my buddy is standing right next to him as he is he basically needed to i think he needed to par to make the cut he was one over the cut line or no but he was birdie to make the cut he was like four feet out and my buddy he sees peyton manning at the top of the hill he literally looks at him looks back down as he's on the green and my buddy was just like yeah scott three plates are gonna push that putt in scott and he just missed like a four foot putt to miss the cut I think Scott Stallings probably permanently hates Peyton Manning. That's, it was, it, it was that's disgusting. Your friend should be ashamed of himself, by the way. We need to shrink the game. We need less people in attendance at these things. I'm team Big Cat here. Big Cat says you have all year to prepare for this. You know what's about to happen. You know you know what this event is. That's true. Like, Zach Johnson went out there, like, after his tirade, and he was like, this event has crossed the line every single year I've been on tour, and I've been coming to it for 21 years. It's like, all right, Zach, like, maybe just don't go to it anymore. Like, you, what are we doing here? Rory, I mean, Rory didn't play in it. Maybe Rory doesn't like it. Like he's not a bit. Yeah, Rory's not a huge West Coast swing guy. He'll skip some of those events, so it makes sense. But it's you know, it, it's it's water under the bridge now, and it sounds like they're they're gonna try to rein it in next year. We'll see. Scottsdale's a crazy place. Highly recommend. It's it's crazy. Kind of has a little bit of Nashville vibes in a way. Little 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 wild west there for you. Absolutely. Okay. Is that all we got for your trip? Oh yeah, that's all we got. Okay. Well, we can, uh, we can jump into some Ravens talk then. 10 minutes in. How about that? Uh, opening with some interesting news here. We did want to touch on this. I didn't want to stay totally silent about it on the podcast, but I did kind of want to wait for facts to come out. There's just nothing you can really gain from actively commenting on something like this. I think as we saw uh, on Twitter with the way that this all unfolded with Zay Flowers, with the investigation opened into him uh, about a domestic incident, uh, there was a... As the facts as I understand them is there was a cell phone call placed to 911. Uh, and then I don't know if an official report, but some kind of inquiry was made with the Acton, Massachusetts Police Department about a domestic incident. Uh, the 911 call was pinged, geolocated next to Zay Flowers' house. The girl making the call said she was frightened uh, and that the person perpetrating the incident was an NFL player and that he hit her in the arms, I think is the... Uh, exactly what happened and then his brother waved a gun at her I think, it, I think it was that there was marks on her arms yeah right and then his brother waved a gun at her or something to that effect um yeah and so the investigation opens into zay flowers because it's geolocated next to his house I, I think it ultimately was identified that the call was made by the girl that he was dating um the knowledge came out in dribs and drabs i think you and i heard about it a little bit before it kind of made that initial leak so we were kind of just sitting there trying to piece together what was going on with it, what, how to make sense of it all. And I think, yeah, our approach is pretty much, we can speculate all we want. We'll do that privately. But as far as like commenting on it on Twitter and on the podcast, like we'll wait. So today it comes out that the, and it's a press release from, uh, I think Baltimore city or might've been Baltimore County police department. They state that the investigation is closed on the press release, but then the language in the documentation, this is per Jeff Rebeck says that it's suspended. So insofar as like what actually happened or whatever, I, I don't know. It all just seems kind of moot because it is suspended for the time being. I guess my initial take on it is that I have my suspicions that some 
bag shit might have taken place here. It's really unfortunate. Zay Flowers um, seems like a good young dude outside of things like this or, you know, this thing taking place. And uh, obviously there, there's just not a whole lot more to say. I don't want to totally besmirch his character because the investigation is suspended, obviously. But, the, you know, I, I don't know. Is this the last we hear of this? I'm not totally sure. Yeah, number one, I'd say let this serve. Not that it is. I mean, the county says they close it. I'm not a law enforcement expert by any means. So the county says that they are suspending the investigation. Some people are saying the word closed. I don't know. I didn't read all of it. So go find that out for yourself. But let this at least serve as a lesson to the rest of the team and to Zay Flowers himself that regardless of what did or did not transpire, you fuck around, you find out. So stop fucking around. Stop putting yourself in precarious situations if you are. And if you are not, continue not to do so because it is a, you know, I, I don't even know. I have not experienced the lifestyle of a pro athlete, so I can't really put myself in those shoes. But seems like it is something that happens far too often with these situations. I believe as young people are flowered, pun intended, with money. And loaded to the gills, sometimes people will come after that money. Sometimes that money can put you in those aforementioned precarious situations. So do your best to avoid them and evaluate how to live a calm and quiet life as best as you can off of the field while still finding it satisfying to the best of your ability. So a, a tough line to toe, but also in the event that these things have some truth to them, don't be a piece of shit. That's an easy rule to follow as well. So uh, the Ravens definitely are on the heavy find outside of what happens if you are to involve yourself in these matters, especially domestically, for good reason. We don't have to belabor that point. But to digress, like you said, it's been floating around. Seems like it happened a couple days before the AFC Championship game, which is unfortunate to hear. And yeah, avoid those situations at all costs. If this does end up going away, then... Don't double down. Don't press your luck. Don't spin the roulette wheel again. Stay away from it. Go on. Go forward. Try to be a good person. Best best you can. Yeah, pretty much. Just gotta 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 grow up, gotta mature, gotta understand how to regulate your emotions, gotta understand, you know, who you keep around you and everything like that. And I don't know. It's hard to really pass a ton of judgment, like we said, with the investigation suspended. Like I said, I have my suspicions. They're not they're not particularly great. Uh, but I'm not going to besmirch you guys' character as long as this is suspended. It is not the last we've heard of it. I guarantee you that. They're going to come back. He's going to have to face the media at some point, and someone's going to ask him about it. It, it. it feels a lot like a cold sore that, you know, a ticking time bomb, it could emerge at any time. So, At the very least, he's going to have to answer for the fact that an investigation was opened. Like the, he, the media, is, somebody's going to ask him about that. So we're, we're not, this is not the last we've heard of it at the very, I mean, at the very least. Maybe that will be it, but. It, it's this not. is where as an athlete being in a mid market or small market is to your benefit because yeah, uh, yeah. not, not exactly going to get grilled the way you would in New York or somewhere else if this situation occurred. So uh, it's been pretty quiet. I think it just finally trickled out into kind of the national wave today as it was announced. And then like Dov Kleiman puts it out and he does have a huge reach. So then we see some accounts saying it was closed. Jameson Hensley tweets about it. So yeah, take this, move forward. It's unfortunate that these kinds of things happen, uh, whether it was true or not, what these situations, the situations athletes are put in or put themselves in. So I'm sure the Ravens 
do not have any shortage of presentations and activities and speeches and speakers talking to the team about what happens when you participate in some sort of nefarious activity that ends up in, in this kind of situation. And Ray Rice, the living, breathing example that has just now reemerged into kind of the Ravens shield again and being a part of the Ravens identity. So as and George Bush once said, fool me, fool me two times. Don't, don't get fooled again. Exactly. Yeah. That's you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I, I would say as a fan too, like, and we'll, we'll close the loop on this. It's not a fun topic, but as a fan on Twitter, like don't take this personally against you. Like, you know, if you're, uh, I don't know, like, don't be offended by the idea that these are out there. Like you didn't hurt anyone. You don't have to take this personally. You don't have to defend him. You don't have to, you know, you also don't have to like go super hard at him either. Like just, just try to, I wouldn't say even remain unemotional because it's an emotionally charged topic. And if you do feel emotional about these kind of allegations, well, within your right, feel that way. But like, I, I would just say like, don't like try to turn this into cloud or turn this into points or get emotional because clearly, it clearly it's gone to the higher powers that be in terms of law enforcement and let those play out themselves. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you nothing can. you can do. There's nothing that you can do. Yeah, exactly. And we've, uh, like I said, if you're of a certain age, you've had this happen before as a Ravens fan, it's even crazier now in the social media era. It's just, it's, it's not a, not a fun thing. So just, you know, like I said, just, just keep an even keel and just let it continue to play out, I guess. Uh, anything else on that? Stay clean. Stay out of, stay out of those areas. Absolutely. Okay. You ready to, uh, jump into our off season preview, a more fun. Let's topic. do it. Okay, yeah. this is brought to you by our friends over at Black Eyed Susan Spices. Love our guys over there uh, with their products available on the shelves at your participating Ace Hardware locations in the Baltimore, uh, some of the Baltimore neighborhoods in Fed Hill, Canton, things of that nature in the D.C. suburbs. Check them out, blackeyedspices.com, promo code EXIT52 for a nice 10% rebate there. Great stuff they got going on. Got to hit them up, see if they got anything new coming down the pipeline. But uh, always fun to work with those guys. Love their hot sauce, love their products, good people, good small to more, uh, small to more vibes there. Uh, and it's always nice to help out a small shop. So check them out. And uh, now we head into our off-season preview. So I've got this a little bit structured. We put together a little bit of a run sheet here. Uh, and I guess I would just start out with total cap space as of this recording for the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know if this factors in Nelly Aguilar. The, uh, his contract just came out. We'll talk about that. It was a $3.125 million figure. I don't know what the cap hit is exactly, but... As of this recording, Baltimore Ravens cap space, $5,138,828. Your first reaction to that? I don't care. I don't care. Like, it's fine. I like Nelson Aguilar. We've talked about him all year. It's good and fine. Glad to have him. It's a fine move. I don't have a ton on it. Um, he's a nice veteran receiver who did some nice things worked in some tough areas and has some juice after the catch for you. Uh, I think of him and Demarcus Robinson as very similar kind of impact players that have quietly done some nice things, both playing for the Ravens. So yeah, glad to have him. Wouldn't be the end of the world if not, but should be, I think in a world of value, probably a, a very small plus and someone that stays healthy and has been there, done that in many degrees, but yeah, it's not, you know, not really a needle mover one way or the other, but you're you're glad to have him probably. 
Yeah, I think so. And the fact that like they actively seem to just avoid having players like this, they would, you know, they wouldn't even try to get needle movers. They wouldn't even try to get needles. They would just ignore the gauge altogether. And you, that's how you wind up with James Prochet taking important snaps for you down the stretch of a season. So I really like the move. I think, you know, good rotational receiver, solid hands. You're not done yet though. It's pretty much exactly where they were at this time last year when they signed him, right? You know, they signed him and then the spot track guy is having fun. Stay the course, Baltimore, that tweet that I'll never forget for some reason, it just really irked me. Um, but yeah, you're, I think you're going to have to double down and we'll get into that, but I don't know. I just think like, this is the type of move that they've needed to make like throughout their entire tenure as a franchise and they have just actively avoided doing so. So it's nice to see them be active in that process, shore it up a little bit, got to make some more upgrades there. Like we'll talk about, but interestingly enough, they did that to avoid him hitting free agency and to avoid a dead cap charge with him. As far as other people, they could have done that with, it was right guard, Kevin Zeitler running back Gus Edwards Safety Geno Stone were kind of the, the big three that I looked at there. Your, your your thoughts on that? They can still get these guys back, they but they would have to hit free agency, I believe. Yeah, Gus Edwards, someone that we know through the grapevine, the Ravens were very cautious regarding his medicals and were weary coming off of his knee injury in that fell swoop of 2022. One. 2021. Marcus Peters uh, and him back-to-back plays. And then J.K. Dobbins as well, Gus Ed- or excuse me, Justice Hill as well. So Gus Edwards coming off a 13 touchdown year, second most touchdowns in Ravens history, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, nice player, Kevin Zeitler. It kind of got out with last year that the Ravens didn't extend him, and he was not happy with that. And he seemed to really struggle early in the year, and I feel like he was playing through some injuries. Uh, my take on that would be that I don't think the Ravens trust his tread and mileage while he did end up playing really well this year down the stretch, being pretty consistent and kind of locking down that, that right side. Uh, The Ravens seem to really want to move on. I would think Ben Cleveland in a Ben powers like contract year situation will probably get a really solid shot to start on that right side. Um, Stone. We'll see. I mean, curious. It, it sounds like from people that we've talked to and, and guys like Brad Spielberger, we, when we had a conversation with him, I think midseason, he was like, yeah, these he's the exact category of safety that like doesn't get paid as much as everyone thinks they should. He has no valuation on OTC either, which I found interesting. I was doing that for this exercise where you go through and they have the valuation for the big names. He didn't even have one, which, you know, I get that he's not a big name guy, but he's he's coming off a productive season. So very interesting. And I just clicked on Kyle Hamilton to see his. But yeah, that is weird. Very interesting. Maybe because he's a free agent. I don't know. Maybe they're messing I think, with those, Yeah, maybe. But, but like they had it for some of these other guys. Are they just like, I feel like you would want to be plugged in on a guy like this. And, but that maybe I think that kind of reflects the weird market value that he's going to have. Because like productive guy, like not the most uber athletic. Like I think when he was on that kind of run and he's like on Marlins Instagram live and they're talking about who's leading the league in interceptions and stuff like the vibes are high. And you're like, man, this guy maybe could make some real money. But I don't know. I kind of get the vibe that he might. uh he might not be like breaking the bank in the way he would have hoped, which is, you know, unfortunate for him. Yeah, I think he'll get some sort of contract somewhere, unless it's a one year deal, but I could see him getting, you know, a, a 10, 15, 20 million dollar, two, three year deal, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, too, just clicking around, just baseline stuff. Pro football reference, he had seven interceptions, he had nine pass breakups, he started 11 games, he had 66 tackles. His AV was only a six while having seven interceptions last year, he had zero interceptions and one pass breakup and one forced fumble. His AV was four. So mm. 
Seems like he is a very strange valuation, evaluation on the open market. But, man, I mean, a, a player that has I, – I think he's a starting safety somewhere in the NFL. I think he should be paid like a starting middle-of-the-road safety and deserves to be and is a player that we liked coming out. We're happy the Ravens ended up with, happy that they brought him back. But, yeah, very strange situation with him and curious to see – what he ends up getting on the open market as he is set to become an um, unrestricted free agent. Notable names. Justin Matabike tag is available there. I'm kind of curious about him. I think I saw somebody said today, I think it was Jonas Schaefer talking about non-exclusive tag could be a good route for him. OTC values him at 15, uh, essentially 15 and a half million a year. I think he's probably going to get more than that on the open market. Should he get there? Ravens probably as well. I mean, we're best friends with his agent, obviously, so we know what's going on. How would you couch this in a way that makes it sound like that we don't know what's going on? What would you speculate is going to happen here? My speculation would be that the Ravens tag him and then sign him to an extension shortly thereafter. If I had to guess, I think that that would allow them to maneuver numbers to be compliant to meet certain dates without his tag impacting them greatly. The whisperings we've kind of heard or that he's not going anywhere. So if he does, you can yell at us all you want. Uh, but that's what we've heard is that he's he's remaining in Baltimore. Yeah, and if you want to do that, it's at Barstool Banks. Make sure to go to that Twitter account and direct all complaints there. Please and thank you. So yeah, I think Justin Matabike deserves everything in the world. Developed really nicely. Uh, has been... Probably just had the best pass rushing season, honestly. Of a defensive lineman, I think somebody, maybe Jonas, someone like that was tweeting out some kind of numbers, but one of the best, if not the best interior pass rushing seasons, and really probably one of the three best pass rushing seasons of any Raven ever. You'd probably throw a, a Suggs year in there, Doomerville's year. <laughs> There's who else? Peter Bolware. I mean, yeah, not a, like, not a probably none of the sack numbers, but similar type of impact. Not a was a force at one point, but Matabike was, was doing it in a way that was really, you know, impactful in terms of actually being able to finish and pressures and win rate and, uh, being a consistent force so and, and doing it in different ways too. being able to do it on stunts being able to do it straight up being able to do it on passing downs alignments he was kicking out as an end at times on third down later in the season able to have success there so you feel outstanding about his development and that it is encouraging with guys like chuck smith remaining with all the brain drain that has gone on with the ravens coaching staff it seems like the doctor will stay and continue to keep keep these pass rushers under his wing and man i mean what a year. Has anyone ever percentage-wise made more money in a season? Like this was one of the all-time non-quarterback contract years you can really think of, especially in team history. I was gonna say, I think Joe Flacco might have done it in four weeks, but that's a little bit of a different story. Um Odell Beckham Jr. Aguilar just resigns. I mean, I don't I wouldn't hate it, but just like the health stuff, and you kinda you kind of soured me on him a little bit too with your kind of review of the end of the season for it. It's just a weird ending to the season. It kind of felt like he got banks for Bateman a little bit. Uh, I really liked him. I liked the vibes. I liked the big play potential. It just felt like he maybe wasn't there necessarily enough. And I, I, I don't know. I think he could probably get some similar, similar impact on the market, maybe for similar money. Cause like, he's not going to make 15 mil again, but I think he probably still wants to make somewhere close to like six to seven. So we'll see what happens with him. Over the cap evaluation valuation at 3.7 million. Uh, it kind of felt like the true detective ending from this Sunday. You know, a lot of hype, a lot of potential. You liked where they were going, and then like, eh. 
I gotta, it, I gotta was, catch up on that. Yeah, very, very, very mixed reviews. Largely negative from what I saw. Good, good season. I'll say it was a good season, and I think it was an okay season from Odell Beckham himself. So, I think it's, I think it's move on from that. I don't think that you can rely on him to stay healthy. I think, yeah. Um, if he wants to sign and that benefits you in terms of void years and all the hoopla there, sure. He can come back and pay him a small amount of dollars. And if he wants to stay in Baltimore and hang out for another year and, you know, catch 30, 40 balls. Sure. Um, it's again, I, I, if it's, yeah, like it literally, if it's the Nelly contract, like I'm fine with it, but like, like I, I do think he's probably going to want a little more just because his name brand will command it. Like if he goes to the market, someone's going to pay him like six or seven at least. Um, I guess, I don't know. I, I just don't think it really. The chiefs are going to do it and he's going to win a ring with them. I don't think it really just impact. Again, I don't think these are like impact things. I think Matt Abike of the, of everything we've discussed so far, the Matt Abike is the only thing that is impactful one way or the other. Well, let's go to, like, let's go to Patrick Queen. OTC 13.235 million. What do you think? I think he's going to get paid a lot somewhere else. I think he's going to get paid 16, 17, 18. I go look at uh, Tremaine Edmonds contract in Chicago with the final teams, the final four teams, in the conference championships. And then what you saw guys like Leo Chennault and Fred Warner do in the Super Bowl and the impact they made and how much attention linebackers have gotten. I think some of these new GMs are going to go pay someone that was on a historically good defense. I'm not going to say they were historically great, but they were historically good. Right. And want to steal some of that flavor. He's so young. He also doesn't have a he doesn't have a lot of mileage for being a linebacker. He hasn't had and I'll knock on wood for him because I love him, hasn't had a significant injury. He didn't play that much in college. He is very young and has been able to stay on the field. So, I think he gets paid handsomely elsewhere. Uh, people will make the McDonald connection to Seattle. I don't know. They already have Jordan Brooks there who they seem to like a lot. Um, I don't know. Texans have been rumored for whatever reason for some time. I don't know how that even started, but it's been a thing for like a full year now. So I think PQ gets a big bag somewhere else. Uh, I think that the Ravens, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to say they couldn't sign him. And I think uh, there's a, I see the tricklings on Twitter of, Oh, the, the quarterback contract. Oh, you can, you can bend it's, it's malleable. You can bend it if you need to. I don't know. I think they're going to 80, 20 Trenton Simpson and Patrick queen, I think can go somewhere else and has had such a, such a mature experience that I think he'll be a good player somewhere else and be able to be a pro bowl caliber guy for another defense and be able to hold guys to a standard. And after playing aside from Roquan Smith can kind of assimilate into a somewhat similar role on a team that needs that maybe like the Raiders. I don't know. Antonio Pierce. Yeah. That'd be a good fit. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I think he's definitely going to, I think he'll get a bag and it's well-deserved. Uh, I'll root for him wherever he goes. Uh, we can move on a couple more impact guys here before we can get to a yay or nay. Uh, Jadavian Clowney OTC 15 million. He's not going to get that. I don't think, um, certainly due for a raise though. He was not making nearly as much as I think he will this year. I, you know, hometown discount possibility. I wrote that down. Like that could be in play. That could also be in play for Kyle Van Noy OTC. 6.2 million valuation. It's interesting that they're so far apart there. It might be sack production, but I think they were kind of close in that. So 
I think it, I think that has to do with snaps. So over the caps valuations take into consideration playing time in terms of snap percentage of total snaps plus PFF grade. And then they weigh things like sacks, interceptions, touchdowns, yards, things like that. Yeah. And Vanoy obviously signed a couple weeks in, so that would make more sense there. But yeah, I mean, Clowney valued at 15 million. I think he'll probably get somewhere. I, I'm not, I'm no Brad Spielberger who predicted that Nelly contract to a T by the way. I think we'll probably get somewhere in that, you know, six to eight million range. And then Van Noy, maybe a couple less million than that, uh, you know, maybe four to five. Van Noy actually made some comments to friends of the program, uh, Bobby and Sarah, where it was something to the effect of like not wanting to take a hometown discount is what Sarah tweeted out. And then uh, Van Noy came back on Twitter and said, well, I didn't say it exactly to that effect. He sounded maybe a little more amenable to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he wants a race, understandably so. What do you think of it? What do you make of these two guys? Jadavian Clowney was meant to be a Raven a long, long time ago, I think that the Ravens should keep him. I think they, I think that he, as someone that has made one metric Boku of bucks, should like Baltimore. I don't think the Ravens would be remiss to say, you're old, you have an injury history, we don't want to pay you that much. He might be able to get more dollars elsewhere. I don't think players really take hometown discounts anymore because of the globalization of the sport and technology in general, but just stay here. It feels right. Yeah, it just feels right. It looked right. It felt right. It was right. The, the porridge was just warm enough. Just it's supposed to happen. So I think Jadevian Clowney should stay. Kyle Van Noy, conversely, we'll see. Um, I don't know. A lot of it has to do with Zach Orr's defense. And I anticipate it's probably going to be pretty similar to Mike McDonald's in terms of overall, skill sets you want and position lists and some of those kinds of things. So I don't know. It's, it's at the same time, you can really get into a can of worms here because who else is going to come available is the next Kyle Van Noy going to come available. And it's Van Noy felt like the perfect guy for like a legit, like super bowl contending team. I don't know if the Ravens are totally going to be there this year. I expect them to win double digit games just, you know, right, right off the glance, but you know, are, are they going to be pushing for, 13 wins. I don't know if it's going to happen quite like that again. It's just the natural ebbs and flows of the NFL. So, you know, maybe he's just that cherry on top piece and you, you kind of do let him walk with the, you know, veteran leadership. He was great. I loved having him. Uh, but yeah, between the two, I would probably pick Clowney as well. Definitely would pick Clowney. Uh, not sure exactly what goes on there, but there should be some interesting names on the free agent market. The edge rushers are always kind of coming and going and feels like there's, I mean, they had Houston a couple of years before. They keep him around. He's productive. You get a little bit of an impact from him. So I think that the Ravens have done a great job being, I mean, really just throughout the history of their franchise, they've been able to go find these third contract, fourth contract edge rushers and have them be productive players and kind of bat above their career high at times. So see who comes available, things of that nature. Keep clowny though. I think it feels right. Looks right. Like it. I'm with you. All right, quick yay or nay through the rest of these, and then we'll move on. Uh, John Simpson, yay or nay? Nay. I agree. I agree. And it, it's it's complicated. That, with hurt, you to, that hurt you to say. It, did it, to did. say. it did. it did. It did. And it's complicated with Zeitler, too, because like if he's going to leave, you're down two guards. And I know you got Voorhees in the mix and everything, and you know, you, hopefully you got a plan there. But this offensive line is going to look a lot different. Uh, Arthur Mullet. Yay. I'm a yay there, too. I'm a yay. I think, uh, I think that's a cheap. I think that's a cheap yay and... I don't, it, that again, looked right, felt right, was right. Yeah, he's going to know Zach Orr, you know, pretty well, too. That's a, that's a good thing about hiring from within, is a lot of these guys already know uh, the dude. Uh, Ronald Darby. 
Indifferent, sure. Yay, nay, nay, yay. Yeah, I'll just go nay. I mean, you could probably just find another guy like that, hopefully. Brent Urban. This is a weird one. He's getting, uh, he's kind of getting up there a little bit, especially yeah, with, with the mileage that he's had, some of those injuries, you know. Yeah, he stayed healthy. I mean, he he's very cheap. I'll go yay. Sure. Yeah, expect, there's not that many, spoiler alert, not many yays left. I'll go yay. Devin Duvernay. Nay. Nay. J.K. Dobbins. Nay. Nay. I was Jersey. I'm... It's, yeah, but it's just like I can kind of I like JK as a guy. I think he's got great passion for the game, but it's just like some of the social media stuff and like the wanted to get paid and he just, he let him go. Let him go. Be quiet. So he needs to. You got to You got to stay. Go you got to stay. You got to stay 70 percent healthy through a year and have some good production. Then we can do all that stuff like it just it, it was wearing me out at the end there. And I, I like him. He's a, he's a good player. Seems like a nice guy. Achilles is very tough to come back from considering the knees as well. Yeah, the knees too. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. Uh, and it's running. I feel terrible for the guy. I mean, he, uh, yeah, he got fucked. I thought I mean, he was going to be a borderline all pro. I thought he could have been an all pro running back two years ago. He, yeah, he he arguably was in 2020. Um, well, down the stretch. Uh, Malik Harrison. Yay. I'm, he... Mm-hmm. He is very interesting to me. I could see him quietly getting. I was going to say, look- I think he he could challenge on the open market a little bit. He's not going to get. He's not going to break the bank, but like somebody could see something in him. I could see a two mil, two year, ten million dollar contract somewhere for him. Little he versatility. He low key, yeah. He low key like changed positions, didn't he? I mean, yeah. I think there's wasn't snaps for him to be having, and they wanted to get him on the field at the same time. And he has the frame of an edge, and was a nice I, I, again someone we've talked about i think he he was like a f- true base 40 43 if you want to call it sam linebacker from the 2000s that is kind of like he would have been really good in 2004 right in that kind of 43 world and a little a little crossed up but i think he's a nice player i think he's an outstanding special teams player and uh just a very calm presence defensively nice role player to have and could see someone talking them not even talking to him. So I could just see someone just loving him and loving his skill set, and he's not going to be expensive. So I would like to have him back. And you know, I mean, if you're if you're getting rid of Queen, you have Trenton Simpson. It'd be nice to have another veteran there too that has kind of been around, been in the system for a while as a, a kind of double insurance policy. Absolutely. Or Darius Washington is our last one. I'll go yay. I don't care. I it's, nay. I'm going to go nay. Okay. That hating on our Darius Washington there. I hate that. I'm not hating on him. I just, you know, there's another Ardarius Washington. Okay. All right. So we can get into just general question. What will your offseason strategy be here? Man, I've been thinking about this and I just, it's such a, I feel like it's such a complicated matter. When you look at the big picture, every time Lamar Jackson's been healthy, you've gotten to the divisional round, at least. You have won no less than 11 games. You still haven't given him that crazy offensive presence, but I don't think they ever are. I don't think that is their plan unless they draft it and man, I've Zay Flowers, you know, it was it was definitely <laughs> probably terrifying 
for Eric DaCosta and Chad and you know the entire Ravens organization as that situation occurs because holy shit, that kid played at Boston College, which is a power five school, but one of the dirt programs in terms of program success. You take him in the first round where he was not really thought to be up until kind of like the the pre-draft buzz. And he looked like fucking Antonio Brown. Like I, I'll be I've tweeted it, I'll say it. I got ripped on for the Justin Matabike, Aaron Donald stuff. I'm wrong all the time, but that kid can be spectacular. I was he, the one making that comparison. You're the one who compares him to Hollywood Brown. I think, but I think he's Hollywood Brown who ate his, ate his oatmeal. Like okay. he's what they thought. He's what they wanted Hollywood Brown to be. Right. He's sturdier. He's more sturdy, physical, all those things. Blocks. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot more balance. It's not like catch one and then just go right down. It's, the spider chart of whatever, if you want to make a spider chart of his skill set, it's not like a sharp angle and everything. It's more balanced right. and fills a similar role in ways. And he's versatile and you can feed him touches, all those things. Likely very good player. And really, I mean, this is the perfect time. We talked about Daniel Jeremiah loves to talk about blue chips and what you need to be a Super Bowl contending team. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'll be able to pull that up here. It was private chat. Um, I am going to present here and Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, 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 there we go. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks love to talk about blue chips and where you need blue chips and what makes a championship team. And I think anybody who's super into the NFL draft ends up going through move the sticks at some point and really loving it. So to share this tweet, Daniel Jeremiah says, we discussed the championship foundation for the AFC North on today's move the sticks podcast. So definitely go check that out. Here's a look at the Ravens courtesy of NFL research. So they categorize players as either blue chip, good, blue, green, yellow was age, injury, or contract concern. Pink was unproven or young. And they categorize it as this. This is a nice outside perspective. And you can you can rip on DJ and Bucky for being kind of basic or whatever you want to say. But I, I like their content. I always have. I don't really follow it anymore. But I People like, like Bucky's takes a lot, though. I mean. Yeah. So Lamar Jackson is a blue chip. Mark Andrews is a blue chip. Tyler Linderbaum is a blue chip. Matabike, Hamilton, and Roquan Smith, all blue chip players, which was by far the most of any AFC North team. I think they had two more than any other team, maybe three. I think the Bengals had Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, and one other one. Um, so when you look at this, I mean, Keaton Mitchell listed. <laughs> counting on Keaton Mitchell, I mean, he, he got hurt late in the year. Uh, I'm not counting on Keaton Mitchell to do a damn thing in 2024. I got to disagree with Isaiah likely as young slash unproven. That guy is looking fucking good. Like I put him in green. I yeah. put him in green. Oh yeah. So, you know, you Mark Andrews, hopefully the fact that, you know, the, he came back and played a little, definitely probably rushed back sooner than he needed to. And hopefully that ends up somehow being a good thing. Um, Tyler Linderbaum there. People want to talk about the offensive line, but in terms of, what does Lamar Jackson need to be successful? I just can't. Uh, the offensive line, we can go on and on and on. And throughout this offseason, we're going to go on and on and on about it. We're going to talk about it for 100 hours. I just know it. But I still can't get out of the mindset that they need a big, physical, stud receiver. They need a big, intimidating force that can take over a football game. Zay Flowers could end up being an all-pro caliber receiver. He is a very good receiver. I think already he is a Pro Bowl kind of, if you want to, they put him with that green tag. I like that. 
I think he's capable of being a blue if you want to go in that world. But man, oh man, at some point you have to get a, a stud. There has to be a stud that is there for three years. That is Lamar Jackson's workhorse beast. And I think Mark Andrews is was, has served as that in ways, but it needs to be a receiver. It has to be a receiver at some point. And it's tough to say. I hate that I'm saying it. I hate myself for saying it. I just can't get it out of my mind. We talk about receiver every single year. And now they kind of, there's some whole polarizing thing. I saw kind of Cordell of 105.7 being like, the Ravens receivers are still just average, by the way. That's fine, but it's way better than it has been. Oh, yeah. So that's why I'm pissed that I still think this and still feel this way. The offensive line, sure. We can go down that wormhole. Ronnie Stanley's contract. Morgan Moses is under contract. You got Tyler Linderbaum. You're, what's going to happen at guard? Draft a guard. Voorhees, Sala, Cleveland, blah, blah, blah. We can play that whole rat race. It's the, the sliding. The I mean, it's a sliding scale of positional value. Like average in 2024 at wide receiver, arguably one of the most important positions. Shout out to our guy Voss. Been saying this for a long time. It's you know, it's more important now, and it's the same thing. It's the same shit that would. And I fuck. I love Ozzy Newsom. I love him to death. He's you know one of my favorite figures in football, literally of all time. But it was just always like, hey, we're just gonna stick with our board. We're just gonna stick with our board, and we're just gonna take the the best the best player available. And it's like, hey man, that's fine. But like you've got Joe Flacco now with a bad back and you've got Joe Flacco who's paid and you're not building around him. You're not checking your priors. You're not adjusting to this modern game. You're not doing enough in the draft in particular on offense. They just would never do it. And like now they've started to do it a little bit, but even they're still kind of still behind the curve to Cordell's point. Like you're still relatively average at a position where you probably should be at least good. And I think they're, you can make an argument. They're going to be good. Like I think Zay Flowers could take another step. I think Aguilar is fine. I think you're pretty, pretty solid there, but you could be a lot better and i know this is an absolute pipe dream it's crazy mike evans is listed as the top unrestricted free agent right now i don't see a world where he hits the market but my god if he does like i need eric DaCosta to never leave his cell phone like try to find a way to make that happen because like that that's the guy you're talking about and yeah he's 31 he's getting up there he might not be there for three years but like this is like that, that's the move to me if, if it were to be possible it's, it's going to be difficult. The Glazers like to retain their talent. The glazing is crazy. You know, we know how all that goes, but I don't know. That's, it just seems like the stars are aligning in a, in a weird way. So if he does hit the market, I'm putting all my chips in. I might even eschew a move at, at the offensive line, go a little bit, uh, a little bit more young and improving there and try to make this thing work. Cause then you don't have to worry about drafting anyone either wide receiver. You can just focus offensive line there, you know? Yeah. Offensive line is weird because I, you can't have like two rookies on an offensive line unless you somehow like the Chiefs ended up having tr drafting Trey Smith in like the sixth round and he turns into an All Pros or like an All Pro. Well, you maybe you draft one guy and then to your point, there's there's going to be another X player here. There, you can probably just find another John Simpson, right? If not just John. I mean, Simpson. yeah, you can probably find something close to a Kevin Zeitler. I mean, one of the craziest moves. I'm going to keep coming back to this. I'm still in shock that the Steelers traded Kevin Dots in a way that was insanity to me i thought he was their best offensive lineman over the last couple of years he goes to the rams and turns in a stellar dominant year and look who's an um, unrestricted free agent this year kevin dot that and who is athletic and who sets the tone so that is a prime free agent i'm looking at but there is a premium paid on offense on 
prime look, look at Joe Tooney's contract when he became a free agent. That's oh, where yeah. the Chiefs ended up going. In, in lieu of Tyreek Hill, they signed Tooney and end up winning two Super Bowls that way. He doesn't even play in the Super Bowl, so whatever. But uh, offensive line is a deep, nuanced conversation. <sighs> I don't want to go into these conversations because they're so endless, but I mean, it's like Brandon Ayuk, a lot of rumors there. Justin Jefferson, just you're never, neither of these are ever going to count on happening. Justin Jefferson, you know, what's going on with his situation? I don't know, but that's the guy that's like never going to become available. Like, I kind of like with the Evans thing, like he's getting a little bit older. Maybe he's ready. He's won a ring. Like, maybe, maybe he's ready to move on. Like, if he is, like, that's, that's the move. I don't know. The Vikings traded Randy Moss and Stefan Diggs. So I don't know. Who knows? Anything, oh, yeah. I mean, if anything can happen. Sure. But Justin, we're, yeah, we're Justin, just the, Justin Jefferson way better than Stefan Diggs, but yes. Yes. Way, way definitely. Better, so definitely. Stefan Diggs, he's, listen, he's not that big, but, and a little bit of a malcontent, it would appear. Uh, again, somebody's going to go somewhere. I look at DJ Moore, who was traded last year, these kinds of things. Um, but then even just. And, and so it's what's your plan headed into this offseason is the original question, and we've kind of worked our way down the maze of that. And I want to come back up to the top of it and back up to the funnel of it. What is the grand question, and what is everybody ho-humming about on Twitter? How do you win the Super Bowl? A lot of variables involved there, a lot of luck, but there needs to continue to be an improvement in terms of Lamar Jackson's growth as a game manager at the line of scrimmage. He needs to continue to be more empowered. He needs to be able to comprehensively have all of the answers, regardless of what the play call is. He needs to be able to check in and out of every possible thing. This is going to be year seven? Yeah. Yeah, year seven. That is mental and physical prime for a quarterback. That is where you are still spry. He's in, quote to quote you, his upper to late 20s. And... Also, in year two of an offense where he is empowered, he is in a Josh Allen type of offense where he can call the shots. And that is the, again, I don't think the Ravens live said it every time. They're end of year presser. What do they say? John Harbaugh says, we want Lamar Jackson to be, you know, he was the driver of the car. Now he needs to be involved in the building of the car. He needs to be involved in the construction of the offense from both a schematic standpoint personnel standpoint, all of those kinds of things. That is what this quarter post-quarterback contract means. And to your point, Jake, you said they did not build around Joe Flacco. They just kind of grabbed pieces, value, 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 value. It was no, There was no clear direction. And they ended up being a mediocre football team that was hunting 10 and 6. You know, 11 and 5 feel, felt like a far cry for a couple years there. And, you know, they if Flacco was healthy, they'd be at least 7 and 9, 8 and 8. So it's just perfectly avoidable. Like it, it was just like, Hey, let's just build a sick defense and just see what happens. And Joe's just going to be Joe and he'll have, you know, Dennis Pitta hopefully. And like, that'll, that'll be enough. It's like, they're not then to be to their credit. Like they, you know, they have improved since then, but you gotta, you gotta keep doubling down. You know, you need to have a direction. And again, I've said this quote a thousand times, but I really feel like it is so impactful in football that a quick decision is way better than indecision. The wrong decision is better than indecision. You have to have a direction, buy in. Buying in is 
90% of the battle, it feels like. Having a common message, a core goal, having that clear cut, and everybody can be simpatico in that same direction organizationally, in terms of what you're doing schematically, in terms of the expectation on day-to-day, in terms of what type of team you are, what type of people you are, all of those things. And that is what I do think John Harbaugh is outstanding at. At year-to-year, finding the vertical, finding the column, finding the mantra, the vision, and brainwashing you. That is what a good football coach does. In the middle of the war in November, when seven games in, you need to be brainwashed. You know, you need to be, and that's why he loves military and all of those things. You need to be rowing the boat together. But my boy, Sean McVay, from what I've heard, you know, the year the Rams won the Super Bowl, it was a five alarm shit show in that locker room. Jalen Ramsey just wasn't coming to meetings. And then guys like Von Miller weren't going to meetings. And then the, the lower paid players were like, what the hell is this? And guess what? They just, that's why I think the playoffs in the Super Bowl are stupid and then we have these conversations. What do you do to win the Super Bowl? I don't know. You get fucking lucky. You just or you gotta, have Tom you, Brady or Patrick Mahomes. You just got to get close, and then just hope it falls your way. You got to get to the conference championship and just try to do it. And like it sounds like I'm copping out, and making excuses for what they did this past year. You know what? They didn't show up. I, I totally accept that, and I'm as pissed off as anyone. But they got themselves in position, and they can do it again. But to your point, they got to find a plan, and they got to they they have to have the right plan too. Like Bill Belichick, do your job. The implied part of that is do your job well. Ravens, find a plan, stick to it, but make sure it's a good plan too. Like all this smoke about, and I don't know how you feel about this actually, all this smoke about the Ravens as the betting favorite to land Derrick Henry. Like, I'm good, you know? Like, I'm good. If they want to go get a starting running back, I'm fine with that. You can probably find a guy for presumably less money than Derrick is going to get. And, you know, he's, he's racked up some mileage and it's just, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said on Twitter, like I'm good with it, but like after a couple waves of free agency have taken place and I'm satisfied by then, then go for it. But it's just, I don't know. I don't love that. I don't know about you. I mean. I know you want that game-changing running back. uh, Of course. I think everybody should want a game-changing running back. I think if you could choose to have one versus not have one, that's not even a discussion, but it's the cost, and that is what the big debate comes into. I just think it'd be nice to have somebody who can play three downs consistent back there. I think that does help. I think that does allow Lamar Jackson to, to give him a true workhorse, would that you can trust in pass pro that can do pass pro on their own that can make changes on the fly things like that i look at josh jacobs yeah i mean that was yeah he's got a lot of mileage a lot of mileage he had very little in college and they have run him to death in las vegas and oakland but i look at him maybe more so as a player that i would love and we had our whole whirlwind of you know whatever went on with him at the trade deadline and him wanting to come here and all those kinds of things that'd be cool sure I just think that it the longer the more removed I am from it, the the more I just feel like like guys like John Harbaugh and Mike McCarthy just aren't gonna win another Super Bowl. Like I don't know. I feel like the change, whatever it is that needs to be changed cannot happen. I don't I really don't think it'll happen. Sean McDermott maybe is in that category. He's not nearly as long tenured, but it just feels like they're not capable of getting all the way there. We have the sample size now, the playoff games, you know. Even in the two wins that the the Ravens have had in this Lamar Jackson era, the Titans and the Texans, those games were not clean games. They were not, you know, it's playoff football. Rarely it is, but I mean, uh, it's it just feels I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's obscure to try to analyze overall, but in terms of roster construction, I still genuinely think the offense just has to be the point of emphasis. 
in terms of personnel, it feels like the scouting department, the GM, the coaching staff, which there is turnover, but I think you're kind of, I think Harbaugh does a great job developing defensive talent. Think about a guy like Brandon Stevens, who even really should have been on, in my opinion, should be on Daniel Jeremiah's uh, blue chip chart with a green, at least. Think about a guy like that. They have developed so well defensively. You have to feel good about your ability to find value and develop. And drafting and developing are just as important as each other uh, at any position. So I think the Ravens can develop defensively. Their efforts need to be hounding to find the right guy in terms of a receiver that is still that Goldilocks. They still need that Goldilocks receiver. It sickens me to say I'm so tired of talking about it. I'm so tired of talking about it that I'm not tired of talking about it. I'm actually excited to go look at guys. There's like going to be, there's going to be a less angry tenor around it though. This like this time around, because like, I think people are rational and are going to recognize like, look, you know what? They, they really did go for it and try to fix this thing last year. And they really did to an extent. I mean, Beckham, you know, we didn't love the way that it ended overall, but good. good it was play. a, it was a huge move. It got attention. And part of that is because of who he is, maybe more than who, like than how good he is at this point, whatever. Right. But, and it was also a, a, a reaching across the aisle to Lamar and getting him to resign, you know, the, the big deal. So that, that was a big, they, part of it they drafted one in the first round again. Yeah. The third one, they signed a nice veteran in Aguilar, and then they made a flashy signing that they overpaid for. Yeah. They went, they pushed in as much as they could considering what was available on the market. Yeah. They drafted with their first pick, they overpaid and they grabbed just another, it's got another normal player in there that you can kind of just be like, okay, that's an NFL player. That's an NFL wide receiver in Nelson Aguilar. And, so. there, and there was an angry tenor around it this time last year because when Aguilar signed, he was the best wide receiver on the roster. Now he's probably, and I mean, Bateman, too, obviously, I'm forgetting about him a little bit, but he, you know, health and all that stuff. But, you know, it's it's Flowers, it's Bateman, it's him. Duvernay's probably going to be gone. So, you know, that's that's a you can work with that. That's a good starting point. You know, they do have to make some moves. Draft is going to be interesting. I didn't want to talk draft too much on this episode because we'll obviously get to it. But I mean, you're talking about this guy with size. I mean, Odunze's got size. Keon Coleman has some size. Like there are going to be options there too, I think. There there are a ton of options. This is the continuance, more so than last year really, of your grand theory of you know seven-on-seven seven football and the, the wide receiver bubble. I, somebody in this draft could fall and be in striking range and you could find a suitor. Who knows? The, the speculation of that is... Always, always evergreen content there, hypothetical trades and mock drafts. So definitely a possibility, but man, they still need that dude. They need that jump ball. I don't care. Dude. That is an alpha. That is the best football player on the field. All of those things. And I think they need a bat. I think everything they do should be offensive. Really? Yeah. I think they should retain Matabike. You should go get some value free agents. Uh, probably, you know, whatever defensively, go look at your secondary, keep the cupboard as full as you can, considering value there. You've got Roquan Smith, you've got Kyle Hamilton, you've got Michael Pierce, you've got Justin Matabike. If you keep him, you've got Travis Jones, you got Broderick Washington, outside linebackers. We talked about, you know, see if you can bring Clowney back. You've got OA, uh, you know, you can find those in the draft. You can do the Tavius Robinson, could be a nice player there that we don't talk about, think about, forget about. He started to look like he had a nice role. So defensively, cheap. System, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, and what you have inside with your defensive line. That's that's what this needs to be. And then keep building a monster. What took down the Chiefs? The only thing that has taken down the Chiefs was Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. The fact that the Bengals had 
a singular. I'm going to really just going to say Jamar Chase alone, who I feel like in this season and Burrow's injury is forgotten of the impact that he has on the football field. I don't know that that exists in the draft. I don't know that that's available, and it probably won't be available because why would someone like that be available when you pick at 30? You know what could be available, though, is the T. Higgins, which they they would love to have something like that, let me tell you. That, I think, is the... I would compare... I don't even know the right word. I was going to call him like Corbin Burns, that, and that was going to be disrespecting Corbin Burns. What about Corbin Burnson? I was... I, I don't want to disrespect Corbin Burns here. He's not like quite Garrett Cole. Like it's not Jamar Chase. And that is like the lowest tier of superstar. Like T Higgins is a star player. And that is like the minimum threshold that I'm talking about. If you get T Higgins in this offense, for example, that level of impact and that kind of skill set that is feels strong and has an alpha to it and a impact that can take over games and win over, you know, the average corner time and time again, that is the minimum that I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at DJ Moore kind of around there, that kind of impact. That, I think, still now takes this offense to the stratosphere. It has to be someone who can win contested. It has to be someone who is high IQ against zone, and it has to be someone who can have be a brute after the catch, who can just be a son of a bitch after the catch. Um, I'll get, I'm going to get into the weeds. I've been watching some draft stuff. I'm... I'm I basically am like an aggregate of all of the accounts I've liked over the last five years. I have guys I like and respect at certain positions. I bookmark all of their content. I find games. I ask them questions and DMs. And that's how I start to compile my board and those things. But again, I feel like receiver, man, uh, just again, <laughs> it's like I feel like I'm on in Groundhog Day every offseason. It's okay. I mean, like I said, it's not like it was, right? We're built, we're starting on a good foundation here. This isn't, we're not in the fucking dark ages, you know, smacking sticks together, trying to figure something out. We're trying to, you know, trying to build the house now, you know? 100%. There's, there's electricity. It was a little bit of uh, fire and cave dwellings and things of that nature. Now the lights are on. There's, there's electricity in the house. So it's time to, you know, put a nice marble countertop in and have this thing be real luxury and fancy for Lamar Jackson. Um, if we were talking about cars, like we don't want this to be a Tesla that has the crappy kind of interior that pops off. We're, we're looking for the Maserati here. We're looking for the true luxury, the Porsche. A so Maserati does 185. Well, probably might be my favorite song of all time. It's a uh, great song. 10 out of, it's truly a 10 out of 10 in every way. Love it. So, in this, you know, continuation offensive line, we can kind of get into. I mean, this is my thinking of these two players. You look at the biggest cap hits for 2024 is think 2024, 2025. You look at Lamar Jackson, sure, whatever. You can re restructure whatever. Then you got Ronnie Stanley, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, and Mark Andrews. A few of those things are not like the others. Well, I mean, really, let's look at all four of them. Injured, 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 injured. Andrews, I can Andrews, I can forgive a little bit. A lot of miles on Andrews, a lot of miles on Stanley, a lot of miles on Humphrey and Williams. I don't want to hate on him at all. He just has had downright bad luck. Yeah, downright bad luck. Yeah. Um, and maybe some of the the movement experts on Twitter can get into it of how his chest should have been trained in a way to react and respond, and Mahomes' knee is coordinated to twist that way because so on and so forth. But that is an issue. And as you open up over the cap, and, and I, I honestly, 
am no better at this than anyone else who can click their mouse on the internet. If you can get to over the cap and have a basic understanding of Madden, I feel like you're pretty close to me. But when you go look at the Ravens and go look at 2024, let me pull up all the way. You can go check out my favorite thing to look at is always number one restructure. The restructurability of Ronnie Stanley is $7 million. You can increase your cap total 7 million. Marlon Humphrey is up to 8 million. Marcus Williams is 7 million and Mark Andrews is 5 million. So it's kind of like an FMK here. I feel like with these guys, it's like FFMK or FMMKK or some combination. I'm personally, if I'm putting on my Madden hat, I'm calling up on Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Williams. And I'm saying, look, boys, I fucking love you to death. I need some help here. And restructure, I'm this is and this is what gets like Dan Rees and Brian McFarland. This is not, I'm not talking about the same thing. I'm not talking about you don't need their consent to restructure. That's your money. You can move it around as you please. It's basically a liability that you're able to extend. But I'm looking at Ronnie Stanley and Marcus Williams. I'm saying, boys, hat in hand. What is your what is your value on the open market today? What would you get today? I've paid you a lot in cash very quickly. The Ravens are the, uh, the an opposite team. They pay out big, fast cash. That's what Brad Spielberg always talks about, right? Big, fast cash. So they have flexibility. The players paid. Ravens have not really messed with Ronnie Stanley's contract. He's been injured. It's not his fault, but it also sucked. Let's reduce these contracts, please. Let's come to an agreement on it. Let's, let's tear a little bit of this up. I think Ronnie, what, what is Ronnie Stanley's career earnings at this point? I'm, I'm counting another man's cash. Ronnie Stanley to this point has made $63 million on just his new deal. Let's see. I believe. Uh, I got to look at history. Okay. He has earned $97 million in his eight years so far. Solid. That's a lot of money. Well, I mean, I'm not going to count another man's money, but what's the difference between 97 and 110? Do you want to play football? Do you want to, you know, can, can we, can we renegotiate something here that helps the boys out? That's what I'm looking for in my Madden oversimplification of an idiot talking about this stuff. Marcus Williams, I love you. You have made $48 million as a safety in the NFL to this point. I love you. You're a good player. We're happy to have you here. We want to win a Super Bowl. Can you help us out? Can we talk about your current market value? Consider that today what it would be. Can you help me out here? Um, so those two guys I'm really looking at. Uh, uh, Marlon Humphrey. To oversimplify as I've been doing all episode and, and pretend like I'm the smartest man alive. I talk about mileage. The dude was a hitter as a 200-pound corner. He hit like Mike Tyson when he was early in his rookie contract. The miles seemed to be wearing on him. He was very physical. It is very hard to maintain the track athlete mechanics with mileage. It's tough. I don't know how to approach this. You, you kind of pray that he can stay healthy there, but we're looking at 
$22 million cap hit in 2024, $25 million cap hit in 2025. I mean, I don't even know how to talk about Marlon Humphrey. I mean, dead money 23 this year. I mean, you can't really do anything right now unless he just straight up agrees to a pay cut, which, you know. They're not going to, I don't think they're, I don't think doing anything is. You can't do anything. I mean, I think he's the one you don't even touch. I think you don't even touch Humphrey unless there is a monster available. The, I'm talking about the monster alpha receiver or something, unless a deal becomes available and you're like, all right, we'll restructure Marlon Humphrey then because you're going to push that money down the road. Then if he does suffer a bad injury, if he does miss time, if he is undesirable at his cap hit, you, you know, have to pay the piper eventually in that that category there. So he's the one I would maybe not want to touch. Uh, Mark Andrews, you're probably happy to restructure, right? He's probably going to be a nice player still, even if this injury doesn't somehow recover well for him. I think he's still an effective player. His cap hits are not in the same stratosphere as Marlon Humphrey. So, sixteen, yeah, sixteen point nine. That's really pretty good for his production. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is um, nothing crazy there. So I'm looking really at Stanley Humphrey and Williams out of this lot. Stanley, I, I mean, ha- Stanley and Williams, like 26.1 for Stanley, 18.7 for Williams. I mean, that is like, that's, that's $40 million in cap space over that, that, you know, is just, you know, a, and they're, they're decent players. Ronnie Stanley had a decent season, I think overall on balance. He, you know, didn't end great, obviously. And William's actually a pretty good player when he's able to stay healthy. But it's just, they, you, you're to your point, they have to find something to do here. And also to your point, we're not the people that have to figure out how to do that. Like, time to get a little, little creative here, Eric, because we're entering into the uh, the next phase of Lamar Jackson's career. A little more expensive. Got to get more creative with the, uh, the cap stuff. $19 million if Ronnie Stanley is cut after it with a post-June 1 designation, meaning that he can be cut at any point with a designation that it becomes effective on June 1st. Uh, that would incur $6 million in dead money, but there's $19 million in savings beyond that. So, uh, <laughs> that's quite a bit of coin there. Um, Stanley could go play somewhere else. You know, I don't know what he gets on the open market. Maybe, I, I feel like the medicals are not good there. It's 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 hard to imagine... The medical is being good. So the other side of the coin is that what happens if you cut him? Well, you have McCary, who has probably played borderline Ronnie Stanley replacement, but also has his own medical concerns, and the, you need another left tackle. So then you say, all right, well, let's draft one. Well, then you're picking at 30. Most of the good tackles that can play right away are picked in the teens at the latest. So layers upon layers upon layers of maneuvering. The offensive line is going to be the big talking point, it feels like. Um, otherwise, guys, you're looking at Tyus Bowser cut with a post-June 1 designation, $5.5 million in savings. There's a name I haven't heard in a while. I'm just going to consider that done, I feel like. Like, I think they just cut him. Like, what the, f- the one of the weirdest things ever. Yeah. Um, Pat Ricard, $4 million in savings. I mean, I love you. Sure. Um, you know, wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. Felt like, you know, he's, they've been so good, whatever I've had, they're better with him on the field than when he's off of it. He also has a lot of mileage. So offensively, let's look at the, let's look at this lens. Who are the young players on the Ravens offense? Zay Flowers. Isaiah likely the two Zays. 
Um, I guess Bateman's still kind of young. I mean, this is his fifth year, his fourth year that he's. He's in a contract year, so I'm not even going to count him. Yeah. So, yeah. So you said you said Isaiah Likely, you said Zay Flowers, Keaton Mitchell. I'm not even going to count him. He's injured. There's one more player that is very good, Tyler Linderbaum. Sure. Those are kind of your three young players that you know we're going to see into this Lamar Jackson second contract. You need more than that. Yeah. And what do I always say? I like having in every room, I like to have a third contract player, someone in their prime, and a rookie developing emerging player. So that means at tackle, that means at interior offensive line, that means at receiver, you know, that's your ideal running back room, things like that. So Zay, Bateman, Aguilar is kind of like the minimum threshold there. The tight ends are great. You have no running backs. I don't know. Um, I don't know. They have some shuffling to do offensively. I think the worst They've, thing they, they can do... They have to handle Mitchell's rehab correctly. He can be a good player, but that was it was a nasty injury. But if they handle that correct, you have a player there. I'll stick up for Keaton Mitchell. I will take him as a bonus, and I'm going to consider him an afterthought until he's healthy again. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not counting on him as a structural player. And this is... To, the Well, yeah, he's Keaton, probably not even coming back until mid-season 2024. Keaton anyways. Mitchell is Keaton Mitchell's own worst enemy. Because then the theory is I can find another Keaton Mitchell as a UDFA, right? Geez, I can relate to that. So then you can Keaton Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell. Then you can get into that whole argument. Sure. But I think, I mean, at the end of the day, what do we always say? The worst thing you can do is give a good quarterback a dog shit offensive line. So my guess as to what happens, I guess to kind of sum up a, a stream of consciousness, is that the Ravens work on Ronnie Stanley Money-wise, I don't think they cut him. I think they're too scared to be without him. I think that the fear of the unknown is a little too great there. And then they draft in the first two rounds an athletic tackle that maybe needs a touch of development. Uh, Mims out of Georgia, Another Mims, I look at. Uh, yeah, another Mims. Mims. Just, just keep popping up. This is why I'm hot. This is why this is why we had uh, Armarius Mims, who you know played for Todd Munkin, and his so, brother Denzel like famously played for the Ravens, the Ravens legend. So there you go. So I, I mean, that's the I think that's the easiest thing to say, right? They draft a tackle. I think that's the easiest thing to look at the entire scope of all of this and say the Ravens draft a tackle. Um, I don't know, man. It's just you gotta go find a fucking dog somewhere that touches the football, and that could be a second round pick. It always could just be if we could just hit on that second rounder. Look at all these guys that have been drafted in the second round over the last couple years. Where T Higgins? If we go. could second round, we could we could just get Cooper Cup. DK Metcalf we, second round. If we could just get AJ Brown in the second AJ round. AJ Brown second round. You can find these guys. Debo Samuel. The the bubble is bursting. How about that? How about hit on a second round pick? How about that for the homework of the Ravens? Knock that second round pick out of the fucking park. 
somehow, when, some way. Famously, when the bubble burst, that is when Ryan Gosling said that he was jacked to the tits. Things are coming full circle here. Mm. It's time to grab our lifeboats and get out. I feel like I'm financially inside of you or something. Michael Pittman. I'll take Michael Pittman might actually be even lower than T Higgins. Just a just a little hair or two on that totem pole I was talking about. Yeah, they'll they'll be on the. I mean, he'll maybe be on the market. I, I don't expect T Higgins to hit it, but you know, could be him. Probably both franchise tagged if I had to guess. Um, Colts, so yeah, Colts are- how about that? How about nail a second round pick? How about maybe finagle a uh, a little higher second round pick? Let's see here. Christian Watson was a second round pick. Actually, I've been kind of bare. George Pickens, who had a thousand yards this year, notably, my guy, very, very notorious second round pick, my dude. Uh, that's a good player. So, how about how about you go find an offensive impact player in the second round there? How about you go find yourself a nice? Uh, eh, there's really actually, it's not even that great. In 2021, there was no one. 2020 was kind of, we had Higgins and Pittman come off the board. Yeah, I was going to say 2020 was. But the Ravens are all the way down at what, 60? That's where um, Denzel Mims was 59. How about big, that? Big trade down year, potentially. We, we're we we're overdue for them trading out of the first round. And with them picking at 30, like that, this could be the time. Is that Eric DaCosta's MO? Maybe not, but he also loves those second round picks, even though he never has them somehow. He's like, you know, I love my second round picks, feeling really antsy without them. Uh, and then for some reason, he just never has one. So funny how that works. I, th- I wonder if that's just like a running joke that he actually like they actually despise second round picks and have find no value in them. And could be it's worked out, you know, pretty well for him. You, you get a quarterback out of it and then Roquan Smith. I mean, my mom just texted me about Zay Flowers. I want to read the text so bad, but I oh can't. boy, it might even be <laughs> podcast inappropriate. I think Lisa's going to have some takes. It honestly is like not, it's not inappropriate, but it's just funny. Um, if I see you in person, I'll tell you. How about that? If you're a listener, Orioles game, Ravens game, something I'll ask, ask me what my mom said about Zay Flowers. She makes me laugh. Okay. Uh, so I don't know, man. I mean, uh, to 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 recap, us kind of pussyfooting around a bunch of stuff in some ways was got to find a dog. I'm not pussyfooting around it. Go fucking get Mike Evans if he if he's available. Go get T. Higgins if he hits the market. Go get Michael Pittman if he hits the market. Like just fucking just close the loop. We've been waiting long enough. And like, guess what? You know what's gonna happen? The Chiefs are gonna go get better at wide receiver this offseason. They're gonna find a way. And they'll just be right back there in the AFC championship. And you're gonna have to get through them. And you're just gonna have to win a track meet. So yes, offensive line, gonna have to figure that out. Get creative. It's not my job. It's your job to figure it out. And guess what, Eric DaCosta? I got faith in you. You've done a great job thus far. So let's just keep building on what we've done, you know? There's trust moves. the system. Trust the development and the system defensively. Also, mm-hmm. defense, you know, it's 2024. We're just going to have to figure it out. And we're the Baltimore Ravens, and we draft and develop well on defense. And we got Zach Orr, and he's going to figure out a way to get the most out of these guys, just like you got double-digit sacks out of the combination of Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney when they were sitting on their couch in August, you know? And just like you get solid play out of Arthur Mollett and Ronald Darby at corner. It's fine. You I mean, get and, that, and, and thus is life. You're already built like, up the spine. You, you built up the spine. You got the shield fucking ready to rock for the next several years. Just figure it out at the margins and get Lamar that badass that you've mentioned. My take. I just like when I, now that the season's over, it's just like 
so many players just like my current thought process is like so many players don't matter like they all serve their purpose a lot of guys are role players they're all within the same margin so many of them are and it's just like you know it's the impact players that end up mattering and that's why teams are able to sustain going to the playoffs year after year it's not like different sets of random guys going to the playoffs and winning their division five times in a row and that's why it is the quarterback they have designed it that way so I mean, these are the kinds of discussions that you have a martini or an old fashioned and you sit in Jupiter, Florida at Steve Bashotti's house and, you know, try and flesh out what do you like? What do you not like? Uh, I feel like it's, it's, you know, how do you, how do you ascend? And I mean, really the only, the only answer I have right now is that, you know, you look at what's past Johnny Harbaugh and if it's not that, then it's, is there a stud available? Is there an AJ Brown type deal to be made? You have a first round pick and it is a garbage first round pick. Throw it at a player. That's not breaking the bank. And and really, if you were to sign an extension on a Brandon Ayuk, just hypothetically, let's just throw around some bullshit. 2025 would be him probably having a bigger cap number. You are pretty much scot-free on Ronnie Stanley if you are to bring him back. Let's see. Cut Ronnie Stanley next year. Yeah, you save $20 million. Marlon Humphrey you can get out from. Marcus Williams you can get out from. Mark Andrews you can get out from. Roquan Smith you can get out from. All of those are substantial savings if you wanted to get out. So go to 2026. There's nothing. It's Humphrey, Williams, Smith, and Lamar, and that's it. So you have room, in my opinion, if the right player presents themselves, Brandon Ayuk, if the right player presents themselves, I don't know, Justin Jefferson, whoever it might be, to stick them into the core over the next couple of years and do a deal that is flexible and long. And I think you can make that work, right? And I think you have the system now in place and the success. You got to the AFC Championship game. Don't be the Bills, though. Don't go fucking sign Von Miller to a $100 million deal at 34 years old. I don't want Mike Evans for that reason because I don't think you can count on him two years from now, three years from now. When's he going to decline? Maybe he doesn't, but it's a question mark. And I think you can trade the 30th overall pick to go get an impact player today. I'm I'm doing that 10 out of 10 times. Okay, I'm with you. I'm not opposed to that. Mike Evans will be... I love Mike Evans. He's an unbelievable stud. I'm just a little worried depending on the numbers. If it's like a deal where he kind of just wants to win, sure. I, I think the Bucks would be idiots William go. I don't think you let Ring of Honor players go just to save a couple pennies when you're not even that. Like the Bucks did make it to the second round, but they're not that good. And like, is getting rid of Mike Evans the move you make to get better? Is that it, next year? Is that the move? Don't get rid of all time great players. That's lame. That's, you know, Ray Lewis going to the Cowboys. It's lame. Keep Mike Evans, Bucks. Don't keep him, Bucks. Let him let him go. Right into my clutches. Well, I mean, it's what? The Ravens are keeping Justin Matabike, keeping Jadevian Clowney, keeping Arthur Mallett. Yep. Letting a lot of guys go. We want them to go get a dog offensively. We want them to trust their development defensively. Trust it on the offensive line a little bit, too. You're going to have to. Like, you're just going to have to. So if you're not going to re-sign Zeitler, like you're going to have some question marks, and you, you already got one with Stanley, and you know Moses will still be there. He's going to be another year older. He's had some mileage. To your point about that, 
Trust it there too. I mean, you, you have to. I accidentally did like a Q&A thing on Twitter and then forgot to, and we got like 20, 20 things. I think we answer, I think now. we, whenever we do that, we always tend to answer those anyway, just by proxy. That's true. That's yeah. true. We'll probably come back to some of these. I think we answered most of them. So um, I think the worst, that, again, the worst thing you can do is leave Lamar Jackson out to dry offensive line wise. The best thing you can do is find someone that takes the pressure off of him aside from Zay Flowers and keep Justin Matabike, and I think you're in a good place, right? Those are kind of the big, the things that matter to me. Matabike stays. Find another dog offensively. If it's the draft, you can take your shot, and I won't be mad at you. And then go up to Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, Ronnie Stanley, and say, boys, we need to, we're up here, we need to be down here. Yeah. Here's, we, we need to take it down a notch or two. Can we? Can you? Can you help us win a Super Bowl here? Come on! I would like to hear Odunze in the Dundalk accent. Oh my God, Rome Odunze! Oh yeah, dude, baby. that guy's a dog. Did you see him in the Natty? Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a Stavi video just waiting to happen. Oh, Rome Odunze! Oh my God, he might be the prince that was promised. He could be. Listen, and that brings me to I haven't said Rashad Bateman's name once. Yeah. It's curious. If not now, when Rashad, you want to get paid? You want to start a fashion label? You want to do it? Do it. Take take anabolic steroids, Rashad Bateman. Put a put a six game suspension up for possibility. I'm not mad at you. Put on a little weight. Put on a little strength. No one's gonna remember those first six games anyway. Just you know, keep yourself healthy. Come off the shelf, fresh legs. Lamar will get you season. to three and three, four and two, five and one. Yeah. Go through training camp, do your suspension, be 211 pounds of twisted steel, develop some skeletal muscle, get get paid, baby. Okay. So anything you get, I mean, I think you go into it saying Rashad Bateman is going to do what he did this year. You don't count on him to do anything more, and then you give him every opportunity to do more. Right. So healthy offseason, healthy training camp. He's in that purgatory. Him and Oway. Curious to see what happens there. Oway could very well. If there's a player that could have a monster, monster, monster 2024 on this roster, I think the two guys I would look at would be Travis Jones and Adafi Oway. I'm into it. I think uh, Oway has come on really strong. He just needs that sack production. That's really all that's missing. And hopefully he starts falling into a few of those next year and then also gets some more uh, just as far as natural production goes. So I like that. There we go. So we'll come back. We'll we'll get into the draft combine coming hot down the pipes here. Draft coming hot down the pipes. Free agency just a couple weeks away. Um, I don't know. I'm at a weird point where it's like, you know, you don't expect them to make big moves. So it's kind of a lot of jag moves probably. So I guess that that about does it. Yeah. And listen, those jag moves, you make enough of them. You could, you could build yourself a, a nice little roster like we saw this year. So We shall see what happens when the combine rolls around, but uh, until then, thank you guys as always for listening to this jam-packed episode. We owed you a big one after skipping last week, and uh, we hope it delivered. Uh, You can find us on social media in the meantime at XF52Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spenny's at Ravens 4 Dummies. That is the number four in the middle there. You can find Brian at Barstool Banks, Taylor at Taylor's My 10, Eric cranking up that Orioles uh, coverage. Check out our interviews with Matt Wyrick, Brett Hollander, things of that nature. Talk to Mike from Jimmy's Famous Seafood about the tailgoat event. Check that out as well. 
just content pumping. Baseball's right around the corner, so that's great too. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Jimmy's Famous Seafood, as well as our other sponsors in Black Eyed Susan Spices and Fed Thrill Sunglasses. Uh, we appreciate you all. We appreciate all you listeners, and we'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. Really, really hard, and they execute the system, and that's what it's all about. Oh, God. Yes, sir. Trust. Big trust. Big trust. Hey, yes, sir. <laughs> right on cue. Hey, right on cue. Hey, I, let me.